Awesome. Hey, yes, so I'm Glenn. Um, Debbie is obviously my far better half, and it is lovely to have you with us here this morning at church. Um, wonderful to celebrate what God has been doing in people's lives this year. Um, I just want to just chuck in a few sneaky little mentions here uh, before we invite up um, Hope White. And so first up, I want to just mention that I found out that some people are getting baptized from Thrive this coming week, which is really exciting. Um, so we've got a really nice slide up there of our last baptism, well, actually a few years ago. Isn't that amazing? Such a stunning shot. Uh, we love celebrating baptisms, and so I just want to briefly mention some names here, so haha, ha, um, if you're in the room. Uh, Kim uh, Manera, Narelle White, I don't know how to say your last name, sorry. Melody Glass, Shelley Frost, Charlotte uh, Gorman. These guys are getting baptized this week, so I just think, let's just put our hands together for these amazing people. Um, and they are just on an amazing journey as well with Kingdom Brotherhood, and uh, well, Kingdom Sisterhood, these girls, actually. Uh, so go, Rachel and JT. Um, now, I want to also just read a, um, a beautiful pa passage of Scripture just to set a bit of context here for, well, I think another why for the importance of sharing stories uh, and, and encouraging one another in their faith. It says this in Psalm 145, verse 3 to 7, Great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. His greatness no one can fathom. One generation commends your works to another. They tell of your mighty acts. They speak of the glorious splendor of your majesty, and I will meditate on your wonderful works. They tell of the power of your awesome works, and I'll proclaim your great deeds. They celebrate your abundant goodness and joyfully sing of your righteousness. There's a lot in that few passages there about speaking about what God has done. What does it say? One generation commends your works. They tell of your mighty works. They speak of the glorious splendor of majesty. They tell of the power of awesome works. I will proclaim <laughs> your great deeds. They celebrate your abundant goodness and joyfully sing of righteousness. And this is about talking about God to the next generation. This is us as parents. This is a word for us to not just accidentally kind of have faith, but to actually speak and commend and be intentional in sharing how good God is in our lives to others, to our children, to those around us. So I want to first up invite um, Hope White. Where are you? I hope you're in the building. I haven't seen you today. I've seen your husband. Let's just put our hands together for Hope as she comes to share this morning. There you go. Thank you, Hope. My bad, I was out back with the baby. Kaurafano, my husband's going to join me because this is a miracle that we both got to enjoy. Oh, she woke up, awesome. Um, so Luke and I had a quarter little about this and when I was thinking about it, I thought, you know, what's, what's going to be the title around this because this was really monumental for the two of us. Um, and the words that came to me were, 
the impossible made. The impossible made possible by our God. Um, so our story is about our first home. We are a now five family baby, or family with three kids um, and single income family. And we purchased our first home for the first time this year, which was really exciting. Um, the way we got to that was, it was incredible, wasn't it? Like, it was miracle after miracle. It was what should have been denied by most people. You speak to the average home owner who, or someone who's trying to, and the banks and people are telling them, no, you can't do it. You tell them that you're a single income family, they'll tell you no. You tell them that you refuse to stop tithing because it makes it look better to the bank, and they'll tell you no. And our bank was like, yeah, yeah, no, we'll do that. Um, so we, we got pregnant with Annabelle, and Luke's parents were like, look, the home you're in is really small. For those who know us, we converted a two-bay garage into a mini home, which was really, really tiny, and we lived in it for six years. Um, so we had been saving the whole time and hoping that the market would get better, and it didn't. It got worse. And then interest rates got higher, which was just awesome. But we knew that God had a plan for us, and we visited homes, and we went around, and we got three mortgages. Three. mortgages. We, we applied for three mortgages. Um, two of them lapsed. Um, and every time we'd go and visit a home, it just wasn't for us. And Luke's parents introduced the idea of us purchasing the orchard from them, which had so much entailed into it. It had lots of loopholes and everything that just kind of had to be unraveled. It needed to be unraveled anyway, but it was just like, it just looked really impossible. Yeah. Like it couldn't happen. And then the way we wanted to purchase the house, <laughs> we thought the bank would say no. The dynamic that we had set up, um, we, what was it, we had to get two mortgages and then we had to get them to restructure a mortgage which we thought that they wouldn't do and the whole time we're like praying and just sitting on his word that, you know, he is going to do this for us because he's promised this to us, he's promised us a home, he's given us pictures, he's given us dreams um, and we get to the point where I've got my lawyer calling me going, mm, I don't know if this is going to work, I don't know if the, the way you've structured this is going to work, we've got my accountant calling me going, I don't know if legally you're allowed to do that. I'm like, no, no, I'm, I'm sure we are. I've got my bank <laughs> calling me up going, I don't know if the structure you've got is the way that we've set it up for you. And it's about to lapse. And I've just dropped my kids off. And I'm thinking, God, I, 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 I've stressed so much about this. I have had my wits end with this. I've had sleepless nights. I've, you know, like I've had arguments that I don't want to have. But I know that you've got a plan for us. And I've just dropped my kids off at gymnastics and I'm walking around Rangiora and I just start praying and prophesying. And I'm like, God, I'm just going to give this to you and I'm not going to stress about it. And I'm just going to trust. I've had the bank call me and tell me they're not sure. I've had my accountant call me and tell me, uh, and I've got my lawyers going, oh, no. So here, you have this. Um, I'm just going to have a good day. <laughs> I've had enough of stressing about this and I'm just going to trust that you've got this. And at the same time, I keep thinking, a while ago I heard this preaching, and basically they were talking about how Jesus turned water into wine. And um, when his mother had gone to him and said, you know, they were running out of wine, the servants still had to do something. They still had to get the urns, and they still had to fill water up. And I, and I thought to myself, all right, I'm still going to do something. Everything you ask of me, Lord, I'm going to do. Everything the bank, everything, I'm going to do it, but I'm just going to trust that you've got this. So I get back and pick the kids up from gymnastics and I get a phone call 
from the bank saying, do you know what, we'll just restructure this for you. We're going to give you an extra 60 days on top of that because I know you're time pressed. And um, yep, everything you want to do, we're going to do it for you. And, <laughs> and that's the impossible because it wasn't supposed, like we're first homeowners, we were supposed to get, you know, whatever house we could get and be grateful for it, which we would have been. But no, we got to do it the exact same way we wanted to. We saved so much money and time and he just took everything in his hand and did it for us. Yeah. Mm. So good. Okay. Are we good? Hello. Thank you. Sorry. Um, hi. Hi. Uh, so that's powerful. Um, now, I just want to add something into this that God actually cares about property. Um, the Israelites had a promised land to inherit. He mm -hmm. actually cares about our inheritance and he has... Uh, you know, some of the dreams that we have about land, property, position, it's not just all about being selfish. <laughs> They're actually God dreams. Um, I just want to take a moment right now for anyone who's contending for an inheritance, a vision, something in the natural that you feel like God's called you to and you haven't seen the breakthrough yet. If that's you, I want to ask you to do something courageous and stand up because we're just going to partner with you right now and declare by faith that God's got an inheritance. And I just want um, you to pray hope over, over anyone here today. I, I'm anticipating that there's probably some loose ends um, in the room in regard to dreams. So if you've got a dream, an unfulfilled dream, an unfulfilled hope journey, anything like that, just stand up and we'll, we'll, we'll just, as a, as a step of faith, awesome. Awesome. Let's go. This is good. Mm. This is good. That's right. <laughs> so good. If there's anyone else. Mm. Cool. All right. All right. Are you good to pray, huh? I am, but I'm going to grab the baby yeah. as I do it. <laughs> and I can do lots of things. All right. <laughs> Father, I just pray for these people. And as every single person stood up, I got a picture. And the picture was of pavements. And I just really feel that the Lord our God, he is setting the, the pathway for each and every single one of you. And while you might not see that pavement, or you might just see the one and you want to see the whole pathway, the Lord has your steps. He knows exactly where you need to go, and he is going to lead you. So, Lord, I just pray for every single person that has stood up courageously right now. Yeah. And we claim, yes. we claim yes. your word on their lives. We claim your word on the pathways. Father, we thank you that we can fall into trust with you over this. That whatever has been spoken over our lives and whatever you have told us in dreams or words or prophetic words over us, Lord, we claim them. I speak a peace over every single person who has stood today, over the promises, over their lives spoken to them. Lord, that they will confidently grab them and they will step forward onto that first pavement, knowing that you've got the next one ready to light up for them. I got a picture of this beautiful garden for everybody and it's just like you can see the garden, you can't see the pathway, but there's one lit up. Take that step because the next one's going to light up might not light up in your time, but it's going to light up in his time. Amen. Amen. Let's just put our hands together and give him some praise. 
Awesome. Thank you for sharing, Hope. Thank you, Luke. Thanks, guys. So good. Um, so the next person I just want to ask up right now is Gary. Gary Clements. Let's just put our hands together for Gary. Gary is a wonderful man of faith and integrity. And Gary, we love you. We've loved having you and Thrive. And Gary's got an exciting testimony to share, a healing testimony, actually. Before we, uh, he does that, I just want to honour Gary on two notes. Every week, Gary comes down, sweeps the driveway, takes all the leaves out throughout the back, keeps the place looking clean. Um, thank you, Gary. And also, this week, Gary had his last week of work. Um, and so is entering to, into a form of retirement. Yeah. Uh, and but wants to stay totally active. So we just want to honour the contribution that you've made to our, our society, to your workplace, and to the friendship, that, the generosity that you've extended, no doubt in your, in your work community, but, you know, that is overflowing into our lives. So let's just put our hands together for Gary again. Yep. You have the slide? We do. Yeah. Jesus. So, Gary, you've had an amazing healing testimony uh, happen. Do you want to just tell us about what's happened, about what it was like beforehand and then what's, yeah, what's happened? Um, about six years ago, I realised that I was losing my sight quite rapidly. And uh, it was so bad, if I looked at the horizon, it was just a blur. I couldn't even read the street signs to uh, find my way around. And so I thought... I mightn't even have enough eyesight to be driving, so I decided to go and get my eyes tested because of that. I got sent to a specialist, and um, she said that I needed my cataracts done, and she did my right eye, and the vision I got back was pretty amazing. But the problem with my left eye was that my retina had a huge swelling on it. Can we get the slide up? Yeah, we'll get If you look at the top left, that which is red is a swelling on my retina. Now the reason is you've got a swelling is because the capillaries aren't working and when it's as big as that, it's been there for a long time so the capillaries are not working because they've actually gone and so what they do is they get this big needle <laughs> and they poke it into your eye and they fill it up with steroid hoping that the capillaries that are there can take extra load. Now I had seven injections in my eye and um, sounds horrible doesn't it? You don't feel a thing. And then um, I had the left eye, the um, cataract done and there was a brand new treatment out and it's like a little miniature rod and it's a slow releasing um, so it lasts probably about 12 months. But at the end of the 12 months, I went back, and you're probably looking at about a, a third one along. It was still there. And so after another six months, uh, the specialist decided that we'd need to start the injections again. And so she's made an appointment, and... At that appointment, the expectation was that I was going to have the next injection. 
The Sunday before that injection or that, that appointment, I, I was sitting in church after the service. Now, Pastor Glenn had given an incredible ser uh, sermon. I can't remember what it was, but... I was sitting in my seat and I was contemplating what he had said and, and trying to apply it to my life. And then the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, Gary, have you ever sought prayer for your eye? And I sat there and I was absolutely astounded because I realised I hadn't. I was relying 100% on the specialist. And I felt kind of about that big. So I got up and I came to the altar. Only everyone, that the administering team had kind of gone. So I thought, I don't care. I'm going to stand here until someone comes in and gives me prayer. And Sean came up and he said, were you wanting prayer? And I said, yes. And he said, uh, what do you want prayer for? And I said, I've got a swelling on my retina. And I think that's all I told him. And he placed his hand over my left eye very, very gently. And he said, be healed in the name of Jesus that was it now I thought that was I was quite astounded that is wonderful because as you know some of the disciples walked past someone who's sick and their shadow touched them and they were healed and I do this often especially someone some like at work because I don't want to go into a big sermon with someone who may not even be a Christian but I'll put my hand on them and say be healed in the name of Jesus Sometimes you go to do something and you don't realise you have an expectation. And I thought, well, I'm glad that he didn't spit in my eye. <laughs> I'm glad he didn't put mud in my eye and go and say, bathe in the, in the Ashley River and be healed. He simply said, be healed in the name of Jesus. So I go to my next appointment. Now, there's a procedure that I go through, but when I go to see the actual specialist, I sit down in this big fancy chair and she brings on a trolley, a machine that looks like a microscope to check out my eyes. This time she doesn't. She sits in her chair, which is over there on casters, and she scoots it over to me, because that's how women move those chairs. <laughs> and I'm trying to read a face, and I couldn't, under couldn't understand if what her face was saying. Was it astonishment, amazement, stunned, shocked? And she said to me, what have you done differently since the last time you were here? And then a light bulb went off. Aha, I know what's going on here. And I said, I got prayer. And she said, I cannot explain what has happened. And that's, you go to the fourth one along. Yeah. Come on. Now, the swelling on the retina is this specialist specialised piece of medical. She has done um, postgraduate thesis on this, and she is telling me that she cannot explain with all the scientific knowledge that she has, and I'm thinking, well, it's easy, it's God. <laughs> if you go along to the very last one, that one was taken on the Wednesday before Go Harvest was here. And the really amazing thing was that Sean came down for that, so he got to see that. You have to understand that the reason that the swelling has gone is because once there were no capillaries, now 
there are capillaries. That is the God that I serve. Come on. <laughs> That's so awesome. That's a wonderful testimony. Thank you so much, Gary. Yep. A double microphone hug. Um, at the end of the service, we're going to have a ministry time uh, prayer for anyone who's got sickness in their body, and Gary's going to be ministering in that as well. It would just be great for him to release what he's received. Um Right, next up, actually we're going to hear from Daz Chettle, so we've, have we got that ready to go down the back? Thumbs up, sweet, Good check out the big morning, screen. Good Church, how are you going? Hey, uh, unfortunately I can't be with you, I'm in Kaikoura with Pastor Brian this weekend, and um, Pastor Glenn has asked me to share a little bit around your Thanksgiving Sunday. You know, the, the thing that I'm most thankful for is 2,000 years ago. An innocent man hung on a hung on a tree for me. You know, he took on Barabbas's cross. He took on your cross. He took on my cross. He hung there for us. Without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. And I just want to thank Jesus today for dying on the cross for us so we can have deep relationship with the Father. I thought that was just so beautiful, man. You could almost park park your car there and just camp there for the rest of your life. It's amazing, amazing. This year's been full on for us. Um, I've just had another surgery this week and I've got another one and well, they just told me today and potentially six weeks. So uh, it's been a battle, but there has been so many amazing things. Even though it's been constant, bang, 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 there has been so many amazing things. But Lee Doorknock, 676 houses, a whole town in Matara, a whole town heard the gospel. Why can't we do that in Rangiura? Oh, that's right, we can, we will, it's going to happen. Awesome. Harvest Now, man, Thrive, we hosted Harvest Now so well. Thank you, everyone that helped with Harvest Now. And you guys that came as students, I believe you'll never be the same again. It was a moment where God branded all of our hearts. Uh, our book launch, From the Pub to the Pulpit. Here we go. This here, what a mission it was getting this out. But there's so many people's lives being impacted by this book. It's amazing. It's an awesome evangelism tool. Stoked about that. Just seeing how my family's just knitted in so well at Thrive. Just my kids love coming to church. They love children's church. Breezy's so happy. Um, she's loving what she's doing at Rangira High with the 24-7. We as a Chettle family say thank you, Thrive. We love you. Thank you for uh, having us. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for all your support, your financial support and everything you do for us. It's a big thank you. But here's a really cool testimony because this is what I believe Thrive is pushing into. A couple of weeks ago, I was preaching in the North Island and I wanted to preach on revival. I actually got asked to preach on revival. And um, so I, I, I preach, and you know, if we really want God to move, then we've got to make room for God to move. Simple. So I got all the chairs moved back, and then people just started responding, and the altar was just full, man, of people just weeping and wailing. I got all the musos to stop, and I said, listen to the sound. This is the sound of revival. Revive people's hearts being revived getting that first love flame back it was so powerful 
It was so powerful, man. And I just thought, that's exactly where it's at. That God wants to fill us up. He wants to heal our hearts. And then he wants to send us out into the world. So we'll be that city on the hill. The darker it gets in the night, the shy, shinier. Shinier, that's right. The shine. Is shinier even a word? The brighter. The brighter we shine. Yep. <clears throat> I've been on pain medication. Thanks for that. But you hear, you hear what I'm saying? I'm, I'm so blessed. Even though it's been tough, it's been very fruitful. Looking forward to having a break. I love you guys. And seriously, let's see Rangiora and Papa Nui impacted with the gospel in 2023. Love you guys. So good to hear from, um, from Daz. And uh, Daz, if you're watching this morning, we love you. We declare be healed in Jesus' name. Uh, sickness go. And we just thank you for freedom uh, around your body, especially in the coming year. So Daz and Bree and family, they're such a uh, treasured people in our, in our Thrive family. Daz carries the office of an evangelist, which is a funny word, but it's he, if, if you're not used to church lingo, right, it's about actually talking about Jesus and sharing the gospel and the love of Christ with others. And he carries a powerful ministry in that. So we're so grateful for, um, for him and family. So lastly, I want to invite up Emma. Emma, let's put our hands together for Emma. She has got, she is sharing her testimony for the first time. It is wonderful to have you here with us, Emma. Go for it. Thanks. I'm very honoured to be asked. And well done, Hope and Gary, for doing it without notes, but um, I've got notes. <laughs> uh, okay, let's just get into a day. So my childhood was filled with abuse of every type, neglect. I learned to look after myself from a really early age. Um, poverty, we were so poor. I remember, you know, in the nighttime, one night as a child sitting in the back of the car, my mum was fishing at the wharf because we didn't have any food. So that's sort of setting, you know, a picture of what things were like. Um, I spent time in state care in my preteens, um, and I was introduced to people that became very dangerous influences in my life during that time putting me in really unsafe situations. Um, I'm just going to fast forward a little bit to when my relationship started with Hayden. Um, so our relationship was toxic, unsafe for both of us, physically, mentally, emotionally. We would drink most nights and drug use weekly. Many times I had to call either the police because of our domestics or Hayden's brother, Corey, who's here today. Sorry, Corey, again. Um... I was a very broken young woman, looking to be loved in all the wrong ways. And I spent time filling my pain with substances. I was depressed, anxious, and full of shame and anger. During my times of extreme brokenness, I would have demonic dreams um, that were prompting me to kill myself. These dreams were worse than horror movies, and I would wake in the night terrified. I started to really believe in a spiritual realm because of experiencing these dreams. One night after Hayden and myself had been on a bender, I woke up with nothing left to give. Something inside me was saying, go to church. I'd never really been to church before, but I now know that voice to be the Holy Spirit who was telling me to go to church. 
I came out in a rash all over my arms and my body, full of anxiety and still drunk from the night before. But I went to church, Grace Vineyard, um, the one that they have at the borough school. Uh, I invited Jesus to come live in my heart that day alongside some lovely ladies that prayed for me. I was completely overwhelmed by the presence of God in the most incredible way. I could feel him tending to my heart and showing me not only that he is real, but how much he loves me. Something else significant he did in this moment was he filled me so much with his spirit that it felt like I was on a drug like I had never had before. Better than any drug I'd ever had before. He was meeting me where I was at and showing me that his power is better than any drug that I would ever have. I felt so high that I felt like I shouldn't be driving home. I'll never forget being like I shouldn't be driving right now. God took my drug addictions from me that day. No calm down, no craving. They were all gone. However, he did leave alcohol for me to journey with him. I've always had a binge drinking problem and struggled to stop when I start. And it has only been in the last two years that um, this desire has gone. I'm pleased to say that I no longer have a desire for alcohol. God quickly showed me early in our relationship that I was going to have to be vulnerable. God can't move in our hearts and our mind and heal us until we're ready to allow him intend to our wounds. The freedom that I've been able to experience through forgiveness, letting Jesus tend to my root, wounds around trauma, neglect, addiction, abandonment is incredible. I'm completely free of these traumas and I can honestly say that I'm proud of my testimony because I know God's calling on my life includes using my testimony to reach the broken in a profound way. I was told all my life that I would be nothing, do nothing, but God. Six years ago, God told me to study towards a Bachelor of Teaching. Keeping in mind, I didn't even really know how to write an essay because I dropped out of school. Nonetheless, I was obedient in what God was calling me into. Every day I asked God for his help. I couldn't do it alone. And last year in June, I graduated with a Bachelor of Teaching. I am now the first... I'm now the first person in both sides of my family to ever get a degree. With God, all things are possible. I know that God's plan is to use my knowledge around teaching to preach the gospel and see families saved. Whew. The enemy no longer has a hold on me. He no longer has a hold on my marriage. He no longer has a hold on my children's lives, my future grandchildren's lives and their children's lives because of the groundwork Hayden and I have done to, and continue to do with God. And I declare to the enemy, because I know he's listening, that he is defeated, he is beneath me, and my generational line. He gave it his best shot, but he couldn't break me because God is for me, so who could be against me? Yeah. <laughs> Lastly, I just really want to honor Deb and Glenn. I'm speaking on behalf of myself, I know, but I know that there are others. Um, others in the church that also never had role modeled to them what a mother and a father are supposed to look like. You guys are incredible role models for all of us. I honor you both for who you are, your hearts and what you carry. We are so lucky to have you guys.
really powerful Emma just so powerful and I just want to um, like just celebrate I want to celebrate you I want to celebrate all those who are on a journey out of brokenness and I want to celebrate those who feel like they're halfway just getting started maybe you can see the end in sight I want to celebrate your faith your perseverance and the testimony that that God is seeing fulfilled in your life, like there is fruit ahead. Like um, Emma, you're going to be someone who bears much fruit. You will be. You've allowed yourself to be pruned and shaped in the Father's hands, and some of that stuff is hard. It's hard to be a disciple, and it's hard to be a follower of Jesus. I know we have our highs, and like there's. No high like the most high, they say. And, and he is king, but man, to, to allow our lives to be shaped by, by Christ is one of the most precious things that any one of us can do. Um, I just want to give an opportunity right now in this moment for someone in this place to give your life to Jesus. To actually just realize, um, maybe you just feel like you're at the end of yourself. Um, or maybe you're just like, I have never considered this. Like, the father had a great day when he thought of you. He had a really good moment when he thought of you, and you're not an accident. You are loved with an everlasting love. And the way to the Father is through the Son, the Bible says. It says that those who call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Those who call on the name of Jesus shall be be saved. There's not much of a formula to turn towards the Father. There's this word called repentance. It literally just means to go in another direction. It means to turn around and go another way. And I believe there's some people here today who just need to turn around and walk towards the Father. Jesus wants to embrace you. He wants to hug you. He wants to hug the hell out of you. Like literally, he does. There are people in this church family that want to, you know, be a part of your world and want to support you. If you're in if you if that if you can like just relate to that and you just want to take a step of faith right now in this place, I just want to ask you to raise your hand and just say, Yeah, Glenn, that's me. I want to I want to give my life to Christ. I want to follow him and I want to give him my life. I want to call on the name of Jesus. Well, Jesus, we just thank you for your lost sons and daughters. We just thank you for those ones that you that you love dearly within our own community, within this room today that don't even know you. And we just thank you for your great love drawing their lives 
we pray, Father, that you would put people around them, that you would open, open our eyes to the harvest, so to speak. Open our eyes to the, to the lost and the broken around us this week. Give us boldness to share your love and proclaim your name, Jesus. Amen.